You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Lewis and I wish, want to wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whichever one you're celebrating. This day, we just hope you have a reason for celebrating the season uh, and all that good stuff right now. As you can tell, I'm a little bit under the weather, but fear not, we are still here to talk about Auburn's men's basketball. And in this episode, we're going to be breaking down two games for you, Auburn versus NC State and Auburn versus Lehigh. Your Tigers are thankfully still undefeated at 11-0. And we're going to break down all the news, numbers, and reactions from this game. To do that, I brought in my friend and my co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Drew, Merry Christmas to you, sir. Merry Christmas, Kyle. Glad that we were finally able to get this knocked out because we've both been chasing each other for the weekend, I think. Well, we've been chasing each other mainly because Kyle has been struggling to actually speak. Uh, it's, It's going to be a miracle if I get through this one. Uh, but it, my voice has sounded the best it has in almost a week. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. If I just suddenly stop being able to talk at some point, you'll just have to carry the show by yourself, which would be an adventure of itself. You know, I think you can handle it, though. Well, I appreciate the confidence in me, at least. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Though. Let's hope that, that you don't have to get thrown to the wolves there. But nonetheless, let's talk about these games, Mr. Drew Hooper, because your Tigers are still undefeated still one of the four only undefeated teams in the nation sitting whoa, there with whoa, liberty. Whoa. Oh, did whoa, someone whoa. else fall someone else fall duquesne fell so we're one of three undefeateds see this is what happens when you've been laid up in a bed you forget to watch some of the other games or pay attention to them i was hoping that duquesne fell to be honest with you um just because i felt like they would be the next one to go down at this point uh, so Auburn sits there with San Diego State and Liberty. So before we get into the game stuff, I guess this is an interesting point for you, Drew. Who do you think will be the next team to fall out of that three, even if it's Auburn? I think Liberty has a game coming up with the LSU that if they get past it, I think they run the table and they'll finish probably undefeated because their conference is trash. But I think they're probably the most likely to lose next. But if they sneak past LSU somehow, I think San Diego State would probably lose next. Yeah, I'm, that's kind of where I'm sitting at, too. I think Auburn's got a good uh, setup for themselves, um, minus a, a couple things here. Uh, Liberty, I think, has got this, the strongest potential to uh, definitely finish undefeated completely, but make it longer. Uh, but we're going to find out here. It's quite a feat, no matter what, uh, to say that Auburn is one of the undefeated teams remaining still here and we're saying it with a pretty decent schedule i'm not going to sit here and wave the flag of the football team that we had the most difficult 
schedule thus far in out of the entire nation but it is not an easy one it's just not the most difficult one at this point but very proud of our tigers being one of the few undefeated teams left in college basketball and we'll keep riding that wave as long as it will take us so two games to break down here drew with a lot of things in between here and i think the main one that a a lot of people have interest in is this auburn versus nc state game which auburn wins 79 to 73 i think this is the one that the team the fans had marked on the calendar all year and said this is the game that we are hyped up for the most because of what happened last year and we don't have time to get into everything here but there were some shenanigans and things like that where we weren't able to you know practice or or warm up properly at their venue we went to go see them last year did you catch any little tit for tat coming from auburn towards nc state's way drew i really didn't i mean dowdy had a lot of chippiness i I will have to say that him and crawford got into it quite a bit i think no not crawford johnson sorry about that uh they got into it quite a bit and you know it was it was a chippy game for them just being nc state it's not like their traditional rival or a team that we traditionally play often. And so, I mean, maybe that was some of it spilled over, but I think it was just one of those. This was a team that people had kind of said, you know what, Auburn probably going to take an L to that team. And Auburn did not like that too much and came out uh, ready to swing. And the, I mean, the result ended up going Auburn's favor. Yeah, it definitely did. I, I do like the fact that, uh, um, Auburn was able to hear kind of make a statement after that, after that game last year, because, you know, it it did kind of take a downswing for Auburn at that point in the schedule Uh, and to see them kind of rise to the occasion here. Now let's just be honest here. That NC state team that came into Auburn arena uh, looked uh, very good uh, in most standards. I'm not going to sit there and say that they were world leaders by any step of the imagination, but the entire game, was just a chess match, I felt like. There were trading shots the entire time. I kind of took some notes on how the game flowed a little bit. The first half, we just traded shots early, and uh, Auburn was able to establish a, t- a lead at about 10 minutes and then lost it. And then in the second half there, um, they traded back and forth again. And it got very chippy and emotional throughout the game uh, with some technical fouls happening, some pushing and shoving. So I think you could definitely tell the emotion, uh, the um hurt feelings maybe from last year uh were kind of carrying over a little bit and uh you you even forgot that we had some technical fouls i mean what did you think about uh the way the game was being played um with the guys kind of went yeah i think both teams will look back and say uh at times during that game the refs had a lot of say in the momentum and it that's not not anything to do with the technical fouls that was a lot to do with they they weren't consistent with how they were calling either side of the ball and you know you hate to see that affect the game uh but ultimately i think that frustration boiled over into the chippiness that we see towards the end of the game because i i I remember distinctly two times dowdy walked over to the ref and made a comment about a call that he made and that's not something that, that Bruce Pearl's guys tend to do. Yep. But it it was very evident that everyone, including NC State, rightfully so, was outraged with how that game was being officiated. And so I, I feel like that's what led to 
a game that had four technicals in it. And that's what led to some of the chippiness that happened towards the end of the game and throughout the game was that the refs decided to make themselves the story in a lot of ways, not just against Auburn, but also against NC State at times too. Like it was just a poorly done game all around. You know, I almost got the feeling that they knew kind of the history of this game and decided, hey, we're going to get this one under control. Uh, We're going to keep this under control and then thus affect the outcome of the game. My biggest gripe of of a referee or an umpire in any sport is that they are affecting the outcome of the game. They always have an effect on the game, whether it be right or wrong. It shouldn't just affect the actual outcome of it. And and thankfully here, I think both teams can sit back and say, well, we did not favor the calls. Uh, We did not like the way it was um, just handled throughout. I do think they both can sit back and say, okay, you know, we're, we're, fine with the end result because I think Auburn did show that they were the better team throughout with NC State again I just want to give them credit um, showing their capability to come here on the road and perform very well and they had some kind of high-powered performers there that uh, continued to show they had some dominance uh, their player Bryce being one of them with 21 points Johnson with 17 and Funderburg I felt like Funderburg even though he had had 12 points the entire night was just in people's faces and, and was just making shots at inopportune times. Uh, what was your thoughts on NC State as a team? Well, I want to point out, I think NC State stayed in this game for as long as they did because of Johnson. Uh, he, he had 10 assists, was really pulling the strings. He had five turnovers, but it was mostly because he was trying. It, his guys weren't in the places he needed them to be. Uh, it's one of those that he was doing such a good job that, yeah, he got his turnovers, but ultimately he was pulling every every string that NC State needed that night. And honestly, I think that is something that when you look at it, how important a point guard that sets the team up is compared to a point guard that just yeah. tries to get his. And so I, I think that's really why NC State is a good team they're not a great team but they're pretty darn good team and will probably be a tournament team if they don't if the wheels don't fall off at some point and so i think all credit is due to having a point guard that understands his role is to usher the team into their plays get them set up and get them where they need to be and i think that's a great point there you can definitely see uh, mirrors of auburn last year and NC State with theirs this year, their point guard. Uh, you can see Jared Harper last year, his control in the game, his ability to create his own shots, but create shots for others. And, and I'm not, not sitting here trying to take anything away from Javon McCormick in this one, but I do think that you did see an interesting dynamic there between uh, their point guard and, uh, and Javon McCormick here, where Javon had 14 points on the night. Uh, he made four of six free throws, four rebounds, uh, three assists. Uh, he gave up three turnovers and three personal fouls. You know, the stat line to me doesn't look terrible, but I thought he made some interesting decisions on the night. Uh, again, came up in some big situations uh, to make some key shots. But uh, I-, I felt personally, Drew, that Javon slipped back into some old bad habits in this one, which had he not could have made Auburn a little bit more um, – Give, give them a chance to have a bigger lead. What did you think about his play since we're discussing point guards right now? I think in both games he played absolutely poorly. Uh, I know that we want to to be positive in all things, but I think McCormick struggles in 
the large area of understanding his job is to facilitate the offense and get us into the offense quickly. And oftentimes he doesn't want to take the ball up the court. Oftentimes he is seen lagging behind the play or taking five, six, seven seconds to get us into the play. And I think that's what's really crippling Auburn in a lot of ways. And when we get to talk about the Lehigh game, I got a couple of points to that, but Really, I, I think he needs to understand he has to get this team into the offense quicker because right now we're not running a, co- a cohesive offense. And Bruce Pearl said himself after both games that this team is okay on offense. Right. And I, I think there's too much talent on this team to be okay at offense. Yes. And I, I think that's definitely something that, you know what, if they're going to go further, he either needs to get the picture or I think, we're getting closer to seeing next man up. And I think as we look at the Lehigh game a little bit more, Dowdy got a lot of play at the point. And so I think that may be coming for, to fruition sooner rather than later. Do you think it would switch to more of a dual point guard set up there uh, where either can set up the play, or do you think it would completely switch over to a Dowdy in this, in this topic we were talking about? I mean, he'll, he'll get playing time. I, I don't think he's going to get ripped from the lineup, but I, I think you're looking either at more Dowdy and, you know, I would love to see Turbo Jones. He's obviously not ready because Bruce would toss him out there. If not, but I think you're about to see uh, with the uptick in Flanagan's playing time, I think you're about mm-hmm. to see him take it, him take a slot in the lineup a little more often than when uh, Javon McCormick does. If, if I may actually take this point that you brought up, because I think it's interesting, it kind of leads into something I noticed uh, throughout this game. We've been noticing it throughout the season is that we've been making a concerted effort to go to Dowdy, and in these two games, especially the very first time. I mean, and thankfully, I thought, from my perspective, sitting over here in my sixth stripper, uh, that they did a good job of not forcing it to Austin Wiley down low for their first two two shots in both games. But I felt like they let it work within the offense, and it resulted in two points each time. And I think one time he even drew a foul on it to go to the line. Um, What are you – do you think – some of the issues with Javon at point guard comes from this concerted effort to get it to Austin Wiley this year. Cause we have clearly made that the priority here. Do you think that factors into his play at all? Uh, no, because I think with his speed and his maneuverability inside the lane, uh, he should love a big man like Austin Wiley to where he can blow by. And if the, if the layup's there or the dunk's there, take it. If not, you have a wraparound dump down, to Wiley, you have all these different options and you have so many scores around you that you're going to get yours because the lanes are going to open up if you're facilitating them and the opportunities are going to open up if you're facilitating them. Personally, uh, and this is just my personal opinion, people can take it for what they worth. I, I have never thought Javon McCormick fits the Auburn mold. Uh, he just doesn't shout an Auburn player and that's that's me I'm I'm sure other people share a different opinion but there's a a lot of selfishness in the play of Javon McCormick and maybe he's doing exactly what Bruce Pearl wants him to do and who am I to know anything different but outside of perspective looking in he's not someone who is attempting to run the offense he's someone who's attempting to go out there and just play and that's yeah, not and what a point I, guard does and I think it's interesting you bring that up too because I try to always put myself in, in the position of the player before I, I rush to judgments here. And I'm not saying you are or anything like that, but I got to think that 
he's got a lot of weight on his shoulders after following a guy like Jared Harper, um, who was just absolutely dominant here and kind of want to create his own magic as the guy at point guard now. Um, and, and I know that we never saw like amazing flashes of him last year when he was coming in in a substitution time for Jared Harper. Uh, I mean, he had some, some really great moments. But I just wonder if the guy's struggling with, uh, you know, doing what Bruce wants him to do while trying to be his own guy and, and still living in the shadow of Jared Harper for a little bit. Just from my perspective, it's it's a hard road for him. You never want to be the guy that replaces the guy. You always want to be the guy that replaced the guy that replaced the guy. You can look back through all the sports and see that that's true, whether that's uh, I think I'm trying to get my analogy correct here. The San Francisco 49ers, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia. Uh, most people don't even remember him, but they remember usually the guy after that uh, who replaced Steve Young. But anyway, I won't go down that rabbit hole there. So that's just kind of the way I like to approach the Javon McCormick uh, scenario there. But I definitely see some of the frustrations that you're seeing there. Um, one of the good things, though, I thought about in this game, um, obviously the team was ready for this game and very emotional about this game. That arena, I don't know what your thoughts were on the atmosphere at, at, at Auburn arena on this game, but I just felt like it was the loudest of the entire season. And I think the Auburn fans, obviously with very busy holiday schedules came out in full force and credit goes to them. What did you think about them? Oh, I thought it was great. Uh, definitely students were loud because finals were over. So you've got to be happy about that as a student, but it, the, the arena was packed and you know what? I'm hoping some people got some early Christmas presents because it looked great in there and it looked like everyone enjoyed their time and they got treated to a fun game. Uh, I, I am envious because I've yet to actually get to watch Auburn play inside Auburn arena. I've only got to watch wow. them play in other people's arena. Uh, but I know that just on TV and uh, what you hear the whole time the announcers have to keep talking louder and, and you know, that's, that's a good telltale sign of is your arena doing its job and, and Auburn arena is definitely acting as a uh, disruptor for a lot of teams that step inside there. You know, the interesting thing about the arena setup, I think just to give you perspective now that I know that you've never been able to watch a game there is that they tried to create the lower bowl atmosphere of a Cameron indoor with the capacity that Auburn usually can attract for a basketball game or because, you know, we're coming from the Beardies Memorial Coliseum, which we could never fill up maybe on our best, best day back in the days of Mamadou Njai, Chris Porter, uh, maybe even the Kyle Davis era, the the better years of the Cliff Ellis tenure. But uh, it's it's actually incredible what they were able to do, because you look at the way the stadium is is built and you're like, there's no way it can be this loud. But it always is. And so I just thought this was a great showing by the Auburn family in a very important game for the Tigers, uh, getting their revenge on NC, NC State throughout this game. Um, what other notes and, I, and thoughts did you take away from this NC State game? Alan Flanagan is a man. <laughs> like he is so stinking good. And I think it shows it in the in the box score. I mean, Wiley is becoming like a just a force that seems like he was dropped out of Greek mythology. But <laughs> it it's one of those to see uh, Flanagan is so impressive with how intuitive he is with the game. Uh he always knows where to be. And yeah, he's not shooting the best. But he's getting in good spots. He's making good decisions on defense. He's switching well. And the stats don't lie. I mean, he 
was only second to Wiley, who balled out in this game against NC State as well, with a plus 20 plus minus. Like, he affected the game in a lot of ways with not a lot of stats. He had four rebounds, one assist. He got technical. Maybe you got a little boost points for getting getting the technical. I really don't know. But he is <laughs> always in the right place at the right time. And, you know, I've been really impressed with him coming in because he got an uptick in the NC State game where he played 21 minutes. He turned around and then played on the high stats. He played uh, 15 minutes in the Lehigh game. Like, he is – he's becoming Bruce Pearl's guy off the bench outside of Anthony McLemore. And I've been really impressed to see how he's grown, see how he's made an impact, and really uh, just be able to watch how he comes in and affects the game in ways that don't add up on a stat line. It's It's been really nice to watch his um, rise at the very early stages in this season right now, because sometimes when you look at the, the concept of a coach's son, obviously being Wes Flanagan's son on the a coaching staff right now, you always wonder in the back of your mind, is he just there because the coach is there? But no, but then you remember this is the number one recruit out of the state of Arkansas. There's a reason they wanted him. Obviously, it doesn't hurt that the coach is on the staff, but the fact that he is – and I think what may be personally, Drew – that's fueling him a little bit because he's like, I don't want to be mistaken for just the coach's son. And he's talented. And when you combine that with a drive to prove something, uh, that's a deadly force to be reckoned with. And you see it in his playing time starting to uptick here, as you already said. And, and, you know, right now his stats in terms of three points in this game doesn't blow you away, but it's the game within the game that sometimes is more important. And, and I would use that not to kind of just flip back and forth between players here, but to mirror Daniel Purifoy. He's not blowing up the stat line right now with five points in this game, but he got 5.7 rebounds uh, rebounds and only one turnover, and he was one for two from the free throw line here. Not just the, the, the stats to write home about, but there are players that have seized their role on this team, and any deficiencies they have are thankfully getting counteract because you've got players that are willing to take a lesser role uh, to be more successful, whether that be on the defensive end, in the uh, you know the rebound category or something like that. So guys like Daniel Purevoy, who's a starter, or coming off the bench, uh, and, and Alan Flanagan, I just feel really excited about where this team at in t- is in terms of their depth. And we can kind of use this topic to kind of maybe start rolling towards our next game because we do need to do that. But you brought up Austin Wiley. What has changed in his play that has made him such a dominant force go, uh, in the last couple of games? Uh, he catches the ball. Like, that was his <laughs> struggle last year. And it's funny because all these guys who have come in called Auburn games are like, yeah, he's got some of the greatest hands in the world. I'm like, you did not watch him last year. Like, they must have got him on the jugs machine during the offseason out there <laughs> at football practice because he started to catch everything down there in the post. He started to – he makes decisions a lot quicker than he used to. Uh, he knows whenever he gets that ball where he wants to go. And right now with the work he put in the offseason as far as strength and all that, if he's made his decision up, you're going with him or you're getting out of his way. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's that's what you need in a big man. Whenever a classic big man got the ball down low, they weren't sitting there having to think for half an hour what they were going to do with the ball. They knew exactly where that guy was on their hip, how they're going to spin him, where they're going to put him. And Austin Wiley is just demonstrating more growth in that area. I mean, as you hop to the Lehigh game, that's exactly what you see. And also, 
Bruce Pearl comment on this. They finally got him to change his free throw stroke, and that's come through <laughs> in a big way uh, that we're seeing just as he gets fouled more, as he gets the line more, the the effect that that offseason effort has put in, that he put in, how it's affecting this team. It definitely is. And, you know, it, it's really – it's it's very nice to see a senior – kind of seizing the moment. And I think you're seeing a lot of players. You're seeing Samir Dowdy seize his moment right now. And I think you're seeing Austin do that as well. And some of the gripes that people have had about him um, are becoming less and less of a factor because you're starting to see that talent come forward. A lot of people were asking the question, well, when is this guy ever going to actually do what we, we thought he would be able to do? And to see him finally do that is just, it's just a great thing because I, I, I was, concerned that we were always going to have that note in the end of the stat line or storyline of Austin Wiley is what could have been. But thankfully, we're starting to see him um, have those moments here. And I, I thought, you, as you've already brought up, he had a great game uh, as well leading into the Lehigh game. And we can kind of use that to segue over there. Auburn wins 74 to 51. Now, Drew, I'll say this much. The stat line, or the, or at least the score box here of seventy four fifty one, is a lot more deceiving than how close this game was throughout the rest of the game. Um, what did you think about overall thoughts of how the game went for Auburn and Lehigh? Oh, I hated it. I hated. <laughs> I Lehigh. knew you would. <laughs> Good gracious, they were so pesky and they stayed in it for so long, and they wasn't an annoying white guy who just kept running around. <laughs> And you just wanted to go, go away, like foul him out already. And sure enough, like they kept sticking around. It was far more of a game at the half than it should have been. And I mean, ultimately, I think Auburn got away with a little one right here. Uh, They definitely pulled away at the end and asserted their dominance, but they let a, they let a badly high team. I think there were three and eight coming in and they let them hang around for far too long to be the number eight team in the nation uh, yep. just really uh, allowed them to be pesky. And I don't know if it's coming out really trying to run on reserves rather than use your full fuel tank or whatever, just because you know, you're about to come into a stretch with SEC play starting. That's going to be a little more difficult, but it, it was not an enjoyable. I like eye catching game at all. Uh, it was hard to watch. Yeah, there are definitely some things in here that were less uh, entertaining to watch. Uh, when I was going back to watch some highlights and things of that, I was having more fun watching the NC State game, obviously, here. And, you know, this is just a common storyline. After a big emotional game, there's, there seems to always be that drop-off there. And, you know, we've been able to blame that on uh, layoffs in between games recently with all the holidays and finals and stuff like that. We didn't have that to blame here. This was a one-day layoff in between games, which I hate, personally. This is why we're doing two games in one episode here uh but uh either way it just seems like auburn if they don't have that two to three day buffer on games or uh, if it's shorter or longer than that they seem to kind of have some struggling getting going here because lehigh as you said came in and took a lead early on and was able to maintain that until auburn asserted a little bit of dominance at the end of the first half and obviously at the end of the second half which results in the 74 to 51 score here now drew i i will go ahead and praise my boys even though they did not reach my 80 percent on the free throw line uh, they did get to 79 percent there so i will give them the coach's point on that one to push them up to technically an 80 percent and it was nice to finally see them make some free throws because in a game like this 
where there's a pesky team that will not go away for whatever reason, uh, things like that are the reason you actually end up winning by a good number of points is because you actually make your free throws. I mean, what did they do differently that made them more successful? Did you notice anything other than Austin Wiley's change in shot? It's probably the psychiatrist that Bruce bought in. <laughs> trying to talk them into maybe maybe you just need to realize that it's just a free throw. And I don't right. really know what it was. You know, maybe they're just tired of people telling them how bad they suck at free throws. That would have been enough for me. Maybe it's finally hit that range. I, I don't know. I'm not going to. I can't know the mind of some of these players. And you know what? They made their free throws. And that's uh, Alan Flanagan. That, uh, let's go back to him. Why, why can the coach's son not make free throws? That's really what I want to know. That's uh, that's it's quite embarrassing for the coach, I would imagine. So, I, is it one of those things that your dad? It's not just your coach, but your dad is sitting there on the on the sideline watching your form and, and analyzing every aspect of it that just unnerves him because I, this got to be it, you know, because he he plays so well in so many other areas. Why is the simplicity of a free throw so hard for a coach's son? Because I would imagine it's a very I don't know whether Alan. Uh, you know, stays at home with his dad or, or lives on campus. But uh, I would imagine there's some conversations around the dinner table whenever they do have that opportunity of, look, you're embarrassing me, son. I mean, <laughs> oh, sure I, I would just goes out in the driveway and just shoots free throws and just stares at stares at Alan the whole time as he makes them. Right. It's it's got to be a point of contention between them right now. And hopefully they get it uh, fixed because, look, when you've got your your best free throw shooters right now, again, I'll give credit what like you did a second ago, eight for eight. Austin Wiley have some free throw son um, and you can tell here that Auburn obviously uh, went to him a lot and he was able to assert himself down there low getting a lot of putbacks which resulted in some you know uh, some fouls on the back end of that and it gets him a pretty decent stat line here of 14 points 15 rebounds uh, only one turnover him so uh, one of the more impressive games I thought for Austin Wiley in this one and obviously you noticed him the announcers noticed him in this game uh, and I thought he did very well. Now, as much as we talked about Javon McCormick not doing some things right this game, we do need to give a little bit of credit. He was able to put up 18 points on the night because he went on just an absolute streak. He made three three-pointers at one point uh, in a row. Um, granted, I probably wouldn't have taken those three in a row, if I'm just being honest. But, hey, he made them, and we can celebrate it now. Did did his his good stat line, did that redeem you in, at all in, in your eyes? No, and I don't think it redeemed itself in Bruce's eyes either uh, at first because uh, he played, I mean, he played 29 minutes. He played a lot in the first half, and then I noticed something. If you go back and run the tape, he started off the second half, per usual. He's one of the starters, and within 30 seconds, Bruce had a substitute up on the line for him because he, two possessions, run down the court, slow to get them set up and you know what Bruce wasn't having it and distinctly remember Bruce as soon as the ball went for another brick after it just wasn't set up well he he pointed to uh, the bench and got Macklemore in and they went to a little bit bigger set and you know what Javon McCormick set for a little bit and you know maybe that's what woke him up to go on this little scoring streak but I that's kind of where I get my credence a little bit. And I don't think he's running everything the way Bruce wants him to run it quite yet. Right. And so yeah. I, I would like to see 
that growth. And ultimately, whenever he's out of the game, whenever he's not running the point, that's when we're going to see Samir affected in how he's able to score because he's the one having to set up the plays. And I've, I think you see it in this game. He ran the point more often in this game than he did in the NC State game and only finished with six points. And I think that's going to continue to hamstring us if he can't get his act together because it's going to cause other players to play in roles that were not the intention for the season. Yeah, when Samir's been able to just comfortably slide into the Bryce Brown role, uh, he has flourished this season. I mean, I've been amazed with what he's done, uh, his ability to, you know, with that that jump back three uh, that he's been pulling off lately has just been outstanding. Um, so I would like to see Javon rise to the occasion here. And, and it, 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 to his credit, if that's the way it was approached with Coach Pearl, uh, pulled him out and immediately kind of sent him on this little spurt here of scoring and maybe making some better decisions than so be it. Maybe this is where we start kind of seeing that trend up where there. You're not the only one that's seeing these things and wanting him to play better. You're hearing it in the announcers, um, other people online and stuff are noticing it as well. So we, we don't bring up the gripes with Javon McCord because we want the guy to be unsuccessful. We know he has the potential to be very good and we would like to see him uh, rise to that occasion because this team is already very good overall. Um, they are great on defense, okay on offense. And if we can just get him in this offense running a little bit more smoothly, we don't have to struggle at the beginning with teams like Lehigh uh, who maintain the lead throughout the first half there. If Auburn hadn't gone on a run there at the end, uh, the last 10 minutes of this game were very exciting. Uh, this is where Auburn kind of asserted themselves. And, um, you know, there were a lot of high flying theatricals here in this game, Devin Cambridge, my goodness, uh, benefited from a couple of alley-oops. One was from McCormick off the glass, and I thought that one uh, was probably the highlight of the game and is being replayed all over social media. Uh, so whereas Alan Flanagan made some noise in, in, off the bench in this game, I think Devin Cambridge did uh, so in this game as well. What did you think about his play? Yeah, I mean, uh, Cambridge has said it himself. He goes, I'm, I'm like a stick of dynamite. Like he's got, he's in there to make an impact and make explosive plays. Uh, he knows that he's still developing and isn't the takeover the game kind of guy or anything, but he's in there for tough nose defense and to go on there and just catch a body on offense if he can. And you know what? He, I think about blew the top off of Auburn Arena where he took that one off the backboard. My goodness. But I, I think Cambridge and Flanagan are really looking good, really looking like the two freshmen off the bench that we're going to see a lot of going forward. And you know what? They, they've deserved every bit of it because you watch them grow each and every time they stepped out on the court this year. And that's just a, a good mark to their character, a good mark to their work ethic. And definitely, I think, a mark to Bruce Pearl for being able to go out and pick out two guys who weren't highly rated, as far as recruits go, but recruits that are able to make an impact. Absolutely. I'm really happy w with our three bench guys right now that are coming in and see the most time, obviously being at McLemore, one of them and the Alan Flanagan and Devin Cambridge. They are, they each have a unique skill set and they are all three contributing now in, in very good ways. So I do think uh, we are very blessed in terms of um, obviously overall on the team, but who is coming off the bench and seeing the most time for us right now. And, you know, it remains to be seen some of these other players who aren't getting a lot of time, whether that be Baba Tunde, Akimbola, uh, Javon Franklin, Turbo. You know, we're going to see more of these guys as the year goes on, especially if I'm going to knock on wood right now, Drew. Some injuries come our way. 
but uh, you know, we are sitting pretty with our rotation right now that I think it's really starting to solidify itself as we head into the end of non-conference play and towards SEC play. Let's talk about that last game very briefly here. You know, I would say that the last game of non-conference play is probably not all that exciting. Of course, we probably thought that about Lehigh, and look what happened. It was a game for a little bit. But the Lipscomb Bison come in and play at 2 p.m. Central Time uh, this upcoming Sunday, the 29th, and you can watch it on the SEC Network. They are 5-7 and seven on the year, uh, so don't overlook them by their schedule because we did for Lehigh, who was 3-8, and eight, I think it was, or 3-5, and five, something like that, and uh, we almost got a little bit of a scare there. They're coming off a game against Vermont at Vermont where they lost 86-63. to 63. Vermont not being a terrible program in terms of history, but uh, they've made the tournament a couple times, but probably not a loss that you want to have on your schedule. I'm more interested in their only signature win, and I wouldn't really call it a signature win, that of Navy. No offense to our armed forces there, but uh, it's not one that I would write home about. Um, Drew, your feelings about Lipscomb coming into Auburn, the final non-conference game? Well, I think Auburn, against all odds, may escape non-conference play 12-0. and And that was not something I was predicting at the beginning of the year, but definitely something that, as we've watched this Auburn team progress, uh, the one thing that can be said about them is they know how to win. Uh, no matter how ugly it is, they find a way. And you know what? I, I think Lipscomb should be a good end cap to that. I'd hope this team would come out ready just to to fire and i think it's gonna be a good game i don't think we're gonna get caught in the same lee high trap um maybe we do i really don't know but i i think surely to goodness this auburn team has woken up enough to think you know what we're gonna come out here and just dominate a game going into mississippi state at startville Here's the thing, though, Drew, I want to point out to you. We've talked about long layoffs, which have plagued Auburn during this non-conference play. And thankfully not resulting in losses, just poor play to start off games. Eight days in between games. Do you think the Tigers have another slow start? Uh, probably. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I mean, probably do. Right. But I, I'm trying to be optimistic and hopeful that, you know what, we've we've dodged a couple bullets, uh, and the next one is probably not going to be dodgeable. And so you don't want to get caught with, against Lipscomb with just another slow start, letting a team believe, letting a team kind of take over the game a little bit, especially a team like Lehigh is bad. Lipscomb isn't that great either. Like you can't let these teams get one over on you because Auburn's got to start looking at themselves now with a final four run in their back pocket with undefeated already this season. They they are the national championship for a lot of teams. Like no one yeah. wants to do anything more than to just knock them off, and because they know that's going to be their fifteen minutes of fame on Sports Center for nine hours straight. And so that's yeah. what they want to do. And honestly, Auburn has to come geared up for that each and every time. Absolutely, the target is definitely on their back, and hopefully, they will not let uh, Lipscomb zero in on that target. As we close here, just a couple of players for you to keep an eye on in this game: KJ Johnson, a freshman guard, fifteen point one points per game, and and Asan Asadula, uh, sophomore center, at nine point seven rebounds per game. Two guys to watch. Uh, if they have a good game, it could be a little bit more interesting than Auburn wants. But hopefully, the Tigers finish out non-conference play undefeated, and maybe, just maybe. 
another undefeated team with them will fall and Auburn moves closer and closer to that final undefeated team. But we won't count our chickens before they hatch. Drew, I had fun tonight uh, talking with you about uh, these two games here and hopefully we'll have to combine two in an episode again because I'm sure uh, the longer episodes here are a little bit interesting for our listeners out there. But uh, thankful that the Tigers are undefeated here. Final thoughts before you as we head out. Yeah, I think Auburn gets a win against Lipscomb. We're ready to be back after that game, and I think you and I are going to do a little SEC preview, figure out whatever everyone else has been up to and see how that looks. Very excited for that episode to kind of analyze what we're looking at going into conference play here. Uh, before we head out here, our contact info for those of you that want to discuss things with us on social media, you can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you, Drew? You can find me on Twitter also at Drew underscore Hoop, H-O-O-P-0-2. All right, and that's all we have for this edition of Inside the Jungle. Hopefully I'll be a little bit better feeling when we get back together again to talk about this Lipscomb Bison game. Until we talk to you again, though, War Eagle. War Eagle, Merry Christmas, y'all. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?